Hello and welcome to Screaming in Silence. For most of us, severe pain is thankfully a fleeting experience, but for some, like myself, it's a permanent companion. For the past 25 years, everything I have done or experienced has been accompanied by chronic pain. Yet, to the surprise of most, I consider myself one of the luckiest people alive and I'm thankful for this journey. Through this podcast series, I'll share with you my story and the insights I have gained that have allowed me this perspective. So far, I've only briefly touched on the physical side of my story, that of my arm being paralysed. When I first started toying with the idea of doing this podcast series and began writing down my thoughts, it took a few pages before I realised I hadn't made mention of the fact I only have one working arm. I guess this reflects how little of a part it plays in my life compared to the pain. As I mentioned in a previous episode, losing the use of an upper limb is considered to be a 60% bodily impairment, but to me it rates at less than 10% of my injury. That's not to downplay the impact of losing the use of my arm, because it does play a big part of my day-to-day living, but compared to my pain it pales in significance. To me that is, not to others. I can mask the pain quite well, but I can't really disguise the fact my arm doesn't work. Well, sometimes, and you'll understand why soon. Since first finding out my left arm no longer functioned, I've adapted to this change incredibly well. In the first episode, I mentioned how before leaving hospital after the accident, I was taken to a room where I was presented with some tools to make my life easier. I remember thinking to myself at the time, why do I need these? I'll work it out myself. And that's been my approach ever since. I'll work it out. From buttering a piece of bread, tying my shoelaces, right through to riding motorcycles again, there hasn't been much I can't do if I put my mind to it. And I wanted to do it myself without assistance from others or from tools. It's important for me to maintain my independence, even prior to the accident, but now more so. I can't always rely on the help of others, nor expect to have specialised tools with me, so I needed to find a way to adapt. This is a two-armed world we live in, not a one-armed, and I can't expect the world to change to my needs. It's me that needs to change. In a way, the challenge of it all is quite satisfying and rewarding. Certainly, there is an element of frustration when working with only one hand, but even this can have a silver lining. An example that comes to mind is when working on my motorcycles. A simple job like using a cable tie to secure some wires can become an exercise in extreme focus, remaining calm under pressure, and endless frustration as I try to get one end of the cable tie to thread through the other. It's literally a five-second job for someone with two hands, but I've been there for 15-20 minutes until I finally struck gold. Despite it being such a small task, the sense of achievement I get when it all comes together is immensely rewarding. Not only for finishing the job, but from what it taught me. To control the frustration, to remain focused, and to see a task through to completion by thinking outside the box and adapting. Not to forget doing it the entire time under considerable pain. Without a doubt, it would be easier to succumb to the frustration. I've been there numerous times, but all I end up with is a bad attitude and a job that still needs doing. It's far more beneficial, but yes harder, but more beneficial to learn the tools to maintain that focus and discipline. The job gets done, my attitude remains positive, and I've grown from the experience. Some tasks are of course frustrating and less rewarding. For example, grocery shopping. If I'm only going in to get maybe three or four things, then carrying them is not an option. And I don't really feel like pushing a shopping cart with only a few items in it. So of course a basket is the obvious choice. But this means putting the basket on the ground, picking up the item and putting it in the basket, and then picking the basket up again. Yes, it seems like a small inconvenience, but repeated thousands of times it can start to wear a little thin. 
But it is what it is. I can't change it. And ultimately, it's just another experience in life that I'm lucky to have. According to a recent report by the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization, over 800 million people, that's 1 in 10 people on this planet, suffer from a lack of food. There are right now people starving in this world. People who can't go to a supermarket and be sport for choice. I'm the lucky one. Getting back to the rewarding challenges, and these are the ones I love and bask in. Take tying your shoelaces, a task always done with both hands. There was no way as a 22-year-old I was going to rely on someone to tie them for me, and other than Velcro or zips or maybe slip-ons, there's no way of avoiding it. So I taught myself how to do it. Once again, to most people, this is not significant, just something we do on autopilot. But for me, it was a big deal, gaining more independence despite my physical disability. Over the years, I've seen people look on amazement as I tie them almost as quickly as someone with two arms. Then there's the Marine in America who joined a Brachial Plexus Facebook group I was in, who was struggling with tying his own laces. I sent him a video of me tying mine, and I'll always remember the feeling of pride as he expressed to me how much I had inspired him, just from tying shoelaces. I could write a book on all the things I could do with one arm that a lot of people wouldn't even consider possible, but to me they are not really all that special. From training in martial arts, playing tennis with my son, through to riding motorcycles again. Adapting was a no-brainer. There was never any other choice. The world was going to carry on whether I wanted to be involved or not. Probably the area I struggled with the most was the change in how other people saw me because of the paralysis. Before the accident, I was the guy friends called on to help them fix or work on their car or motorcycle. My eldest brother is a mechanic and from a young age I learnt from him almost everything I know about cars and bikes and I loved working on them, seeing the changes I made, for the better and sometimes for the worse. But after the accident I no longer was that guy and that was hard to understand at first. This was just something I'd have to learn to embrace as well, from being the guy that did the work on others' vehicles to being the one that people assumed now needed the help. Of course, we can't do everything by ourselves, none of us can. We need to learn to ask for help and accept offers when they are given. I still work on my own cars and bikes when I can, but that experience taught me to swallow my pride and ask for help. Without a doubt, one of the biggest accomplishments, although not the biggest, I've achieved since losing the use of my arm is a return to motorcycling. This is a podcast episode itself and one that I will cover. But once again, to me, this has never been anything special, just me choosing to live my life on my terms. However, even I can't fully dismiss what I've achieved by returning to riding, the change and impact it had on my life, and more importantly to me, the change and impact it has made on the lives of others. I will save this topic for another episode because it encompasses so many different areas of my life, and is one of the things I'm most proud of. I did say though, it's not my biggest accomplishment in my journey. No, that would be how well I've managed to blend in. So much so that many people don't even realise I only have the use of one arm. Just to quickly clear up any confusion, I do still have my left arm, although as it no longer functions, the muscle has died and the arm is significantly thinner than my working arm. I was given the option of having it amputated not long after the accident, but as I was still kind of attached to it and it posed no health problems, I declined. The surgeon told me this was a normal response and that I'd be back in six months asking to have it removed. That was 24 years ago. I know people have had the procedure done and most are happy with their decision, some not so much. I have considered over the years the benefits of having it removed, but they just don't outweigh my reasons for keeping it. 
The two most significant reasons are that it is a part of me which I'm not willing to remove. After all, it is a decision you can't go back on. And my arm has a job to do, which is filling a sleeve and helping me blend in. Getting back to how well I've managed to keep my physical disability under the radar, at a computer course I attended back in 1999, it took weeks before anyone was aware my arm didn't work, my classmates only realising when I asked one of them to help me pick up a large CRT computer monitor. He responded by saying, don't be lazy, pick it up yourself. So I laughed and said my arm is paralysed and I can't, and he didn't believe me. I had to take my hand out of my pocket to prove it, and then it became a class discussion. No one in the past six weeks had even noticed, and I like that, a lot. Yes, I've been called casual, arrogant, even lazy, but what that means to me is people haven't seen me as a victim. They've been led to believe by my attitude that I have no physical impairment. This I feel is best summed up by a comment my 16-year-old daughter made recently. As we were leaving the house, I asked her to hold a couple of things for me, and she turned to me and said, Oh yeah, I forgot you don't have both arms. She's 16 years old. My injury is 25 years old. She, along with my two other children, have never known me with two arms, yet it doesn't even factor into how they see me. That is my definition of success with a physical disability, and something I am immensely proud of. Keeping the arm in hand brought some new experiences into my life, particularly in caring for what is essentially a dead limb. It doesn't take too much thought now. Making sure my hand is fully dry after showering, for example, was just part of my routine. But in the early days of adapting, there were a few hiccups along the way, some funny and some not so. I remember one particular morning getting dressed. I'd get to put on my sling, so my arm was hanging loose by my side. Once I'd finished dressing, I closed the drawer I had opened and turned around to walk away. I only made it about a half step before my left shoulder was jerked back, stopping me dead in my tracks. I looked down to see that I'd closed the drawer of my hand trapped in it. I made a mental note to make sure that didn't happen again. Another example was when I was working on my car one afternoon. I'd been running the engine for a while so everything was pretty hot. After I finished and returned inside I looked down at my left hand and discovered four big blisters across my knuckles. I racked my brain as to how this happened. It wasn't long before I put two and two together and figured it must have been while I was working on the car. I went outside and positioned myself where I'd been, leant over the engine, and looked to where my hand was sitting, to discover it neatly resting on top of the radiator. Not a mistake I would make again. With the decision made to keep the arm, I had to find a way to live with a dead limb in a way that wouldn't inhibit me greatly. When I left hospital, I was given a very basic foam sling to support my arm and hand, but this wasn't always practical to wear. So when I didn't wear it, I put my hand in my jeans pocket, and I discovered something special about this. Whenever I went into a shop with my arm in a sling, I would always get asked how I broke my arm or what I'd done to my shoulder. This is fine if it's only for six weeks. It's a conversation starter and people are naturally interested, and I'm always happy to explain. However, month after month, year after year, you get the picture. But what I found the first time I went out with my hand in my pocket was no one noticed. No one asked questions, no one was looking over, no one was talking about me. Despite being through a major traumatic experience, I could become inconspicuous. It felt like I was free. But, like everything, it wasn't perfect and has some cons to counter the pros, as does wearing a sling. Let me explain. While having my hand in my pocket does make me more inconspicuous, it also gives off the appearance of being very casual and, in some cases, outright arrogant. One time at a car dealership I worked at, I'd been there for a couple of months, when I was approached by one of the admin staff and informed that a co-worker wanted to apologise to me. What for, I asked. 
Turns out this co-worker, who would become a good friend, had watched me over the past couple of months and noticed I never took my hand out of my pocket. She watched as I casually sauntered around, hand in pocket, dealing with clients, driving cars, opening folders to retrieve paperwork, and thought to herself, who is this arrogant guy always walking around with his hand in his pocket? She mentioned it to the person who told me and was informed of my injury. Apparently, the look of horror on her face was priceless. I can only imagine how bad she must have felt. I talked to her about it and we both laughed it off. Another instance at the same dealership occurred when I was managing the business. The owner, a few of the sales staff and I were discussing sales when an elderly couple walked onto the yard. Seizing the opportunity, the owner told me to go show the boys how it was done and sell them a car. My confident walk over to them turned into a walk back with my tail between my legs. They were not having a bar of me. The owner decided he would go show us all how it was done, only to return a moment later and say to me, They want to apologise, mate. They thought you were being casual with your hand in your pocket, and when I explained to them your situation, they felt terrible. While there was a funny side to these events, they, along with many other examples, taught me a valuable lesson, and that was to take more care not to judge others based on what we see. That person walking slowly in front of you when you're in a hurry? Maybe there's a reason why. There are countless other scenarios where we are often too quick to judge about knowing the full story. Once again, another lesson this journey would share with me that would make me a better person. Another issue I face with having my hand in my pocket is it can inhibit my movement, especially bending forward to pick something up from down low or running, jumping or sitting down comfortably. So there are times when wearing a sling is the better option for me. The biggest difference I have noticed is how I'm treated or viewed by others. I've commented to friends before how much of a difference a small piece of cloth can make to my life. When I wear my sling, it's literally a door opener. People will see me coming and hold the door open for me, or even open it completely. Complete strangers will offer to help with all sorts of things, and when I politely decline their assistance, I often see a look of confusion or almost offence on their face meaning I need to explain that this is my life, that I've been packing my groceries into a bag or carrying large items one-handed for the past X number of years. Another example is when paying for something at a store. Getting my credit card or cash out with one hand in my pocket gets a totally different reaction to doing the same with one arm in a sling. Once again, my injury taught me to be more considerate of other people's situations. So, wearing a sling can sometimes be the better option for me, but once again, it's not perfect. Supporting the weight of a dead limb constantly can put a lot of pressure on your neck, shoulder and back. I get tension headaches occasionally from it and need to remove it to reduce the load on my shoulder. A patron supporter of this podcast, Jeff, has recommended a different type of sling on my Patreon page, so I'll investigate that to see if it offers any improvements. It also means that I stand out a lot more, will face more questions, be reminded of my injury and sometimes become the centre of attention. It also can dictate what clothing I can wear, or how easy it is to change out of or into a warm jacket. I have to put more thought into my day, to consider the weather, what I'll be doing, where I'm going, to compensate for wearing the sling. But it also means I have another storage space. Wearing the sling means I have a place to carry my car keys and phone. This is so handy that when I'm not wearing my sling, I sometimes struggle to carry everything I need. The downside to this is that I can't feel that I'm carrying something there. I have walked around my house for longer than I care to admit, looking for my car keys, only to discover they're in my sling. Oh well, at least they weren't lost. It's said that necessity is the mother of all invention, and for me that rings very true. This is a world shaped around having a fully able body, and while I have adapted incredibly well, it hasn't always been easy or even initially obvious that there is a workaround. 
For example, every motorcycle I've bought since the accident I've had to buy without testing. I can't expect someone to modify their bike for me just to try. Luckily this has worked out well for me, so far, but once I've got the bike in my hands, or maybe hand, necessity dictates that I come up with a solution to be able to operate the bike safely. Motorcycle helmets another one that comes to mind. I have to find a way to tuck the D-ring for fastening the helmet on into the interior padding to stop it from digging into my head when I put the helmet on. I know my size, so that's not an issue. I just have to sit at home figuring out how to do it before I can actually wear it. Years ago, a friend and I each bought a couple of radio-controlled helicopters, and I had to sit down and learn how to control them with one hand. I will say that both him and I crashed our helicopters at the same rate, so I feel it did quite well. Working on cars and bikes too has presented unique challenges, say such as undoing a nut off a bolt. Both the bolt head and nut need to be secured to complete the job, so very often I find myself improvising by jamming the wrench into a spot where it can't move and then gently applying pressure to remove the nut. Quite often this is a trial and error process, but the result is the same as the cable tie scenario, overcoming frustration, remaining calm, embracing the challenge and then the sweet taste of victory. Of course, life was much easier having the use of both arms, but this has made it an interesting, challenging and rewarding experience. One area I do need to be careful of is overuse of my good arm. It essentially never gets a break. I can't rest one tired arm for the other, and I can't compensate with two arms to do the job. It's the one arm that does everything. So it's not uncommon for my elbow to be sore, or the muscles to be tired and hurting. I do try to take it as easy as much as I can, but at the same time, it has a job to do. I'm very good at gauging when I need to back off though, so while my right arm is constantly making me aware that it's getting sore, I can still get the most out of it that I need. There's no doubt that having the use of one hand and arm makes life a lot more challenging, occasionally frustrating and difficult, and then couple that with severe pain, sometimes the basics are nearly impossible to complete. And it would be easy to get swallowed up by the frustration, to give in to anger or resentment. And this isn't exclusive to me, or people with disabilities, or chronic pain. It applies to us all. Giving in to that frustration is the easy choice, but gains us nothing. In fact, it sets us back even further. Instead, focusing on what you can do, and just moving forward step by step will get the job done, and leave us in a far better place mentally. And at the same time, struggles can give us an appreciation of how well we do have it. Despite losing the use of my arm, there's so much I can still do. I can still ride a motorcycle, drive a car, pick up my children. This is more than many others can do, so I can't really complain. And when you realise you can't complain, you start to see the good in what you can do, what is possible, and the rewards are just as great, arguably better. Once you understand where your absolute limits are, you can start to work within them to achieve outcomes that may seem at first impossible. If we frame it right and choose to let it, Challenge through adversity brings the best out of us. Once again, thank you very much for taking the time to join me on this episode. Next week I'll be covering the wider effects of living in pain, separate from the day-to-day challenges, before we move on to why I consider myself so lucky, which will feature in episode 6. If you enjoyed this episode and don't want to miss out, please subscribe. I'll be putting a new episode up each week. You can find me on my Patreon page, Just search Screaming in Silence at Patreon.com or use the link in this episode's description. Joining gives you access to an exclusive community where you can ask me anything related to my journey or maybe about one you're on yourself, along with other Patreon-only content or if you just want to support this podcast. If you know of anyone who you think would benefit from hearing about my journey in pain management and life perspective, please do share. 
The more that can benefit, the more worthwhile my journey becomes. Once again, thanks very much, take care, and I look forward to sharing more of you next time.